This is a Federal News Network podcast. The defense industrial base faces a lot of long-term challenges, many of which have been well-documented in studies generated both inside and outside the government. But here and now concerns like inflation and the war in Ukraine have introduced a lot of new ones, ones that need to be dealt with this fiscal year. David Berto is president of the Professional Services Council. He testified before the Senate Armed Services Committee last week on the health of the industrial base. And he's here with us now to share some of those insights. And David, uh, there's a lot to talk about this week, but but let's start with some industrial base health issues since you were just on Capitol Hill last week to testify about exactly that. It was a really um, wide-ranging hearing. It, it's worth watching, I would tell our listeners, if they've, if they've got the time to do it. But I, I was struck at how much of it was focused on the here and now and the myriad issues that contractors are dealing with in this fiscal year as opposed to just long-term health issues. What, what, what's kind of on your radar in terms of the, the near term? Well, thanks, Jared. And you're right. It, 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 uh, typically, the Armed Services Committee, when they're having their hearings at this time of year, is thinking about the FY23 National Defense Authorization Act and the FY23 spending for the Pentagon. Um, that's six months away, five months away, really, and uh, uh, maybe eight months away or 10 months away, depending on how many CRs we have. But the reality is that in a whole host of areas, the issue is today, not next year. Um, two obvious examples, and they sort of benchmark the whole thing, is number one, lots of drawdown of U.S. stocks of both munitions and, and materiel for Ukraine, uh, not only for Ukraine, but also to uh, send to other countries who have sent their stuff to Ukraine, typically Russian-based materiel, and we're replacing it with U.S.-based materiel. Uh, there's no plan for replenishing that and really no funds uh, for that replenishment uh, in, in the FY22 supplemental or in the appropriations. Then at the other end of the spectrum, there's the contractors across the board who are seeing dramatic increases in their costs, both for material and supplies, uh, you know, supply chain issues and that sort of thing. But even more importantly, in wages, where we've seen wage growth of, you know, 8% uh, year over year. And for a company that's operating on a 5% margin on a contract, it's pretty hard to absorb 8% growth in wages and still stay in business. The, the munition stocks issue is kind of an interesting one because it does point to industrial base health in the long term and the short term a little bit, I think, because, and you certainly know more about this than me, but I've heard of a couple instances in which these particular munitions just have not been produced in so long. The production lines don't exist at the moment. So you would have to kind of restart that, do some retooling. So it's not as easy as just plugging money into the system. That's absolutely the case. And even where there is an existing production line, in many cases, that production line is now for foreign military sales, which is a lesser capability and has some constraints on it in terms of what uh, you, know, uh, you can include in, in the system. But more importantly, it's not the kind of system you need going forward. So uh, it, it, one of the comments I made in the, before the Senate Armed Service Committee last week is that, to the best of my knowledge, there is yet to be a contract for replenishing any of these supplies. There have been contracts issued for delivering stuff directly to Ukraine, but that doesn't rebuild the U.S. stock. Keep in mind, these stocks are sometimes not assigned to a particular theater, but in many cases, we're drawing down European stocks set up for NATO uh, for scenarios that haven't disappeared yet. So uh, timeliness, I think in one example, uh, it, it's the javelins, the anti-tank missiles. Um, you know, public reports have indicated we've already drawn down and given away one-third of our stock in barely two months of combat. Um, you know, it doesn't take long to see that you're going to get to zero uh, before the war's over. 
you could get to zero before the war is over. Well, let's talk a bit specifically about the effects of wage inflation and, and how that's affecting contractors again in the current year, because at some point those costs are going to get theoretically passed on to the government through some sort of request for equitable adjustment. Do we have any idea what that process looks like or what the magnitude of the of the dollar hit might be? Well, let's first talk about the magnitude and how you size the magnitude, right? So there's really two aspects to this. Number one is for the employees you currently have and the employees you're hiring, uh, wages are going up. They're going up for the employees you hire because they have plenty of options. There are 11 million jobs open in America today and 6 million people looking for work. Uh, that says the odds favor the person looking for work, not the, not the person trying to hire. Um, but secondly, there's the, the cost of retaining the people you have. We had 4% of the workforce, over 4% of the workforce each month is leaving their job and going the great resignation, right? Um, and so you add that up, 4% per month, that's 50% over the course of a year, uh, or people even. And so you've got to retain the people you have. Oftentimes, companies are saying, it's cheaper for me to pay the guy I have more now than it is for me to pay somebody else more and have a vacancy. Then the second piece is all those vacant jobs that are out there are actually work not being done that's already contracted for. And, and you have to ask yourself, what work's not getting done? Well, there's no central location for that. So that problem has two aspects to it. How do you resolve this? Well, it depends. If you've got a fixed price contract, there's very little uh, opportunity for you to say, well, now I need to, I have more costs and I need to pass those costs on to the government. Um, as you and I were discussing earlier, many contracts used to have a clause called the Economic Price Adjustment Clause, the EPA clause, which gave the contracting officer the program the flexibility to consider changes in cost. But inflation has been so stable for so long, so low and stable for so long, that many contracts now, no one has idea how many, but lots, uh, no longer have that clause in them, which makes the case even harder to make up front. And then the third piece is, even if you file a request for an adjustment based upon increased costs, if the government doesn't have the money, they can't pay that anyway. And all that request really is, is an opening round of negotiations over how much you're going to get and when you're going to get it. There's a tight time limit at the front end for filing the request shortly after you've incurred the cost, but a no real time limit on the back end for how quickly the government gets it to you. These are putting companies at real risk, both in the contract arena and in the bidding in future on future contracts. So it's a whole host of problems, and you can't wait till next year to address this. It, but it is likely to still be a problem next year, which it strikes me means it's it's important for the government to get its arms around how big the magnitude of, of this problem might be so that they can start programming it for FY23. If we're still in CR mode for the first five months of fiscal year 23, the problem is exponentially worse, isn't it? It is very much worse. And, and, and as you know, uh, for 12 of the last 13 years and likely to be 14, 13 of the last 14 years, we start the year with a continuing resolution and it lasts at least two or three months. Now, there's an additional problem here, which is if you do it one contract at a time, these adjustments for the wage inflation and, and the inflation growth in general. If you do it one contract at a time, it's almost an insurmountable challenge. Right? Um, what we would like to have, what PSC has been arguing for, is agencies should issue general guidance to their programs and contracting officers that would say something along the lines of, it's important to let companies recover their costs to do the work you're contracted to do, and you need to, to put the flexibility in place to both speed up the process in the case of one agency, the General Services Administration, they remove the cap on the number of times you can make a request for an equitable adjustment. 
thereby freeing up a little bit of one of the constraints there. But it doesn't make more money available, and it doesn't say if you've got the money, this is what you should do with it. We think that kind of general guidance needs to go out. Contracting officers need to realize that they have both an affirmative responsibility on the individual contract, but also a responsibility to maintain the long-term viability of the business base that's supporting the government across the board. What would agencies actually need to do mechanically to enable that flexibility? Does it require a mass contract mod or a class deviation or, or just simple guidance? I would think it's simple guidance. Uh, we, we saw, for example, back at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, guidance from OMB uh, under the auspices of the Office of Federal Procurement Policy that just instructed contracting officers across the federal government to maximize teleworking for contractors, even if there was no clause in the contract that permitted such teleworking. We didn't need to mod the contracts. All that guidance did was freed up the contracting officers to make a judicious and correct decision on the, that benefits the, clearly benefits the government. You could do the same thing with recovering costs from inflation. Last thing, uh, we've been mostly focused on wage inflation here because I think that probably is one of the biggest drivers for, for your members. But but what are you hearing about other inputs whose prices are being driven up and how much of an effect that's currently having in the current year? You know, it, this started actually obviously before the invasion of Ukraine uh, because uh, under, under COVID we had both uh, supply problems from generating material – uh, raw materials and, uh, and and components, but also from delivering them, right? The backlog in the, in the transportation system. Uh, nothing that's happened uh, in the global economy in the last two years has sped that up. Um, everybody keeps thinking, well, maybe the end is in sight here, but it hasn't been. We hear reports across the board from our member companies of uh, delays in, in raw materials, delays in components, um, substitutions for components that may or may not meet the requirements of the contract. Um, and Whenever you can get them, they're going to cost more, both both for providing them and for delivering them. David Berto, president of the Professional Services Council. Thanks, as always, for sharing your insights, David. Appreciate it very much. You're welcome. And you can find this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Join Federal News Network in saying thank you to federal employees and contractors who've shown their dedication throughout the coronavirus crisis with our second annual May We Say Thank You e-card campaign, sponsored by WEPA. Go to federalnewsnetwork.com and search thank you to get started. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.